0: Hi, you're listening to Thoughtful Wellness Revolution, where we believe wellness isn't wellness if it's just for you. We're your hosts, Zara and Hien. And before we get started, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Even though we're a podcast that believes in decolonizing, we're still bound to the algorithm. So every little bit that you can help us out, we really appreciate it. And we thank you for all the support. Let's get into it. Hey, friends. Today, we're talking to Sunaina Madhavdasi, a multi dimensional yoga teacher, model, and artist, among many other things, who is currently occupying the unceded ancestral lands of the Cheyenne Ute, Arapaho, and Apache nations, colonized as Denver, Colorado. So, Sunaina, can you tell us what's on your mind today?
1: Yeah. I have, well, first of all, thank you both so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to be here and I feel so thankful to share space with both of you. Um, Right now, my mind is kind of a little bit of everywhere. Um, I am currently more uncomfortable in my body than I have ever been because I am 28 weeks pregnant. And so that's kind of something that's like taking over my life and my energy a little bit right now. Um, But yeah, apart from that, you know, I I feel good. I had a doctor's appointment right before this and um, I'm coming in uh, a little bit scattered, but also at the same time, acknowledging and honoring that my ADHD is definitely a part of me. Um, And so I'm welcoming all of that um, with all of the messiness into this space. It's kind of where I'm at. Thanks for asking.
0: I will say big relate on the ADHD scatteredness, bringing it into, yeah, yeah. Um, Also, 28 weeks, you must be, like, getting ready to nest and stuff, right? Your body internally must also be, like, gotta prepare, gotta prepare. Wow. Um, Congratulations. Very exciting. Um, And did you want to tell us a little bit about your... uh, work and practice in your spirituality. Um, because you're in a lineage, I believe,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. So um I am a part of a spirit spiritual linear spiritual lineage (laughs) called Hari Bhakta Sampradaya, which is an offshoot of Sri Sampradaya, which is a, a kind of the main lineage, if you want to call it that. But I do follow the teachings and am under a guru who I follow very, very dearly, who is like within my heart, Guru Paramahamsa Vishwananda. And for me, you know, like, joining Bhakti Marga and joining a community and a lineage has really been life-changing because of how much my own spirituality has been gatekept from me my whole life. And so to now have access and not just access, but like radical access and knowledge um, to a lot of the rituals and a lot of the practices that were taken away from me or just like kept in a way where you know I'd like to give this example of like my family and how we've been doing puja for my whole life like I've grown up doing puja and for me it was just like lighting three incense waving it clockwise for the gods ringing a little bell maybe doing a a small song and that was my puja right like lighting the lamp and that that was the whole thing and i never knew why i was doing the things that i was doing i didn't understand the spiritual significance of what was happening and so being a part of a lineage for me allowed me greater understanding and knowledge of like, these are the rituals and this is what they represent. And, and that connection, making that connection allows me to have so much more bhakti or love for the divine and for my practice, for my Guruji, um, to move forward in a way that, you know, where I'm, I don't, I'm not just doing it to do it, but I'm doing it because I now understand the meaning behind why I'm doing it and what each object represents. Right. Um, So, yeah, I also teach yoga nidra. I'm a mentor for Susanna Barkataki, which, you know, Hien is also a mentor for. That's kind of how we got connected. That's been a really, really beautiful place um, to share space with a lot of like-minded individuals and some not like-minded individuals too, right? Um, because not everyone is going to be like-minded like you are, um, or like we are, or whatever. Um yeah, so, but going back to the whole spirituality thing, like there's one example that always gets me which is the agarbati or the incense itself and burning incense and how you know I literally just used to light them and then I'd wave them it would smell nice put them in the holder and I was just like oh yeah the gods like good smelling things and that's why I'm burning this and then I realized that you know the incense actually represents our ego and how when you burn the incense it's literally like the incense itself is dissolving and there's smoke and the smoke goes, um, goes away and you can't see it any longer, but you can still smell something. And so, you know, that's a, that's a parallel to our ego because in the end, our ego is a very much attached to this physical material body. And eventually it will dissipate and it will go. And all that's left will be the scent or like the energy of the Atman or the universal life force energy within you. And so even when you're burning incense or you're burning Agrabati, like that's what that represents. So like just that small little piece of information for me, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at everything in a totally different way now. Right? Um, So I thought I would share that.
2: Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like uh, that's such like a lovely piece of information. And now I'm thinking about when I light incense and things like that differently as well um so yeah I just so I feel like maybe I should have backtracked and said that like I know Sunaina because Sunaina was in Susanna Barkataki's training like two years ago which feels like such two years ago but it feels like five years ago like it just feels like time is just like so weird uh with like living life in a pandemic and um, Sunaina was in my cohort um, and I was a mentor Um, and now Sunaina is working alongside me as one of the mentors in Susanna's training which is really cool and so Sunaina I just feel like there's so many like different questions I can ask you because you like you say you are uh, a multi-dimensional yoga teacher motto and artist among other things um, and so you know I'm really curious about how like I, I see you as somebody who is so like modern like modern in terms of like you are doing so many amazing things um, and also it's really interesting that you are also you um, like a spiritual seeker in a lineage. And I was wondering, you know, like, do you ever find that you're trying to like reconcile, I don't know, like the way lineages can be with like their hierarchy and just like the way they do things versus like how you are also, you know, in the modern world and also very, I, I would say very like progressive and wanting to be really inclusive and expansive, um, in how you hold space and teach and live and, and all the things. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious, any thoughts you have.
1: Mm, wow. Great question. I feel like I could just, we could just talk for an hour only about this one question. Right. <laughs> um, and you said that we were in the training together two years ago and immediately in my head, I was like, you mean 200 lifetimes ago? Because I feel like all of us have some kind of karma here. Like we've been doing this for a very long amount of time. Even if this is our first time all being in a zoom room together, being in a podcast together, like that's what it feels like for me. When I enter these spaces, especially spiritual spaces, like I know that I've been destined to be in these spaces, you know, and that it's something that has been building for lifetimes. And I can feel that in my heart, I can feel that in my soul. And so, you know, you kind of asked a little bit about this dichotomy of like the modern world and like maybe technology and modeling and kind of like what people see on the outside, and then also the other half of it of like being in the lineage, right? And for me, these practices, I feel like it is my life, one of my life's purposes to make these practices accessible to all people and especially the people who don't already have access, right? And so like the, the people in my lineage, they have access, right? Like they have literally like, I have a manual for how to do puja that has a step-by-step instructions, right? And like everyone in my lineage um, has this manual, right? And so they're able to do it, but other Indian people or especially within the trans and the queer community here, um, or just like in my own circle, like they don't have access to that information or maybe their own family has been kind of like kick them out of practices or you know that they don't feel comfortable practicing in a lot of these cis white heteronormative spaces um and so for me like I really want to be that bridge I want to be the bridge of preserving this like ancient knowledge and tradition and bringing it to a place where it's applicable for a modern lifestyle in a modern world because we're in Kali Yuga right like there's a lot of shit going on the mind is that as distracted as it will ever be. It is as embedded in the material world as it'll ever be. And it's only getting worse. Like this isn't something that's like, oh, we're in Kali Yuga. It's just going to get better. Like we're in the very, very start of Kali Yuga. That's like what one of my, my teachers has told me. And so I think in order to preserve the teachings, we have to make them digestible for a modern world, um, for a modern space. There's really no other way around it. And I think that's the beautiful thing about yoga is that it's moldable. It's teachable. Um what's the word that i'm looking for like over time when things change and oh it's adaptable right like it is alive it's a it's a being it's a thing that's alive and growing and changing and so it's always going to take on the traits of its environment um and so for me especially within the lineage like this is the first lineage i've ever even heard of that initiates swaminis and rishikas and gives women po- positions of power you know um that initiates openly queer people into the lineage like that's never something I've ever seen or heard of in my entire life um, and that's also another reason that I do, I am following this tradition and this lineage specifically is because of how radically inclusive it is um, and not to say that you know work can't be done and that you can definitely make it more inclusive um, because there is definitely a Uh, centering still of, again, that this like heteronormative culture, um, this kind of cis culture and being someone who identifies as non-binary, I think it's even more important to take up space and to take up more space um, because we exist and it's our birthright to exist. It's our birthright to practice these traditions. These traditions were made for us, you know they're made for the people who are rebelling, for the people who are um, you know creating safe environments and using their anger and their frustration and all of these things that we have built. To be more devotional, to create more love, to create more unity in the world. Um, And so there's a lot there. There's a lot we can unpack. Um, But I feel like it is my purpose, you know, to be this bridge between the two worlds.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for everything you just shared. And, you know, Zara and I, as you're talking, we were like right on, right on with you when you're talking about it uh, being, uh, you know, for the rebels and, and for the people who don't have like access to it. And, you know, I think, uh, what you are explaining that you are doing and feeling is your purpose is just so beautiful and so needed. Um, and, and so I was wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit about, um, sort of how you got, Uh, initiating to this lineage because you know so Sunaya and I like had a chat like I don't know a week ago or something and you just share like a really interesting beautiful story Um, I'd love if you could share a little bit of that and then also maybe just general uh, advice for folks who might be curious you know who might themselves be curious of like oh I might be interested in um, you know going down this path of learning um, from a guru or a lineage, like, uh, how might that work out for me, you know, especially like yourself, you know, if you have a queer non-binary identity or from another marginalized group?
1: Yeah, great questions. Um, Well, my initiation is kind of a wild story. I was definitely not expecting to be initiated it's something that I had in the back of my head and I had only talked to my one teacher who was a part of the organization and the lineage who I'd I'd been practicing a mantra with him for about I want to say it was like five months or so and then I got invited to go to Mexico. And, you know, we met on Clubhouse, actually, which is um, the wildest part. His name is Rishi Chidananda. If you ever get a chance to take his cor- any of his courses or his classes, um, he's an amazing, amazing teacher and is also a monk. And so I was just practicing this mantra and I was in India and he messaged me and was like, hey, by the way, my teacher who's a guru is coming to Vrindavan and Vrindavan is like one of the holiest cities in India and it's the childhood home of Krishna. He's like, if you want to go and maybe do some seva, you know, do some work, help in the temple, kind of like, you know, get to know some of the people there. I'm sure, you know, the community would be really happy to have you like you should check it out. And so I was like packing my bags, getting ready to kind of go there for a few days and, you know, really have some devotional time in Vrindavan. I'd never, I've, ne- I've never been there before. And um, I get into a fight with my mom. The night before I left because she was like, oh, you're going to this holy city like you have to pack a white sari. And I was like, mom, I hate tying saris like it's so much work like I'm just going to wear my two piece Indian outfit and just be good. You know, she's like, no, no, pack it in your bag. You never know what you'll need it for. And I'm like, I don't have room in my bag. Somehow I was like, I'm just going to put this in my bag just to make her happy. So we just stop arguing. And I I said on my way. And then I had, you know, I had done a few days of seva, of just kind of setting up and cleaning dishes, um, putting garlands on the wall, hanging drapes and tapestries and all this stuff, getting ready for um, Guruji to come. And at, you know, at this point, I had never, ever met him. I'd only heard um, a lot of things about him, like a lot of wild stories. Um, And, you know, I was very curious, like, who is this person coming? What is their energy going to be like? I'm very much an energy person. And so the morning that this was happening, that um, Guruji was coming, I actually was teaching yoga. And so I was in Susanna's class holding space and I was like, Hey, by the way, I'm multitasking. Can somebody take over? And I had one of my AirPods in and I go out and it was at the exact time that his car pulled up and there was maybe a hundred people or so all waiting to greet him, to put garlands around him. And the moment he stepped out of the car, like one foot out of the car, I lost control of my physical body and i prostrated i dropped to my knees my forehead touched the ground and every single person behind me all 100 people are also prostrating and it's unlike anything I've ever felt. And so I was like, and I'm still on the yoga call as all of this is happening, right? I have like my AirPod in. And so then I go into the temple and I'm kind of sitting in the back. I'm like, I'm like looking through the chat on my phone. Like, are my students okay? Like what's going on? Like, and everywhere around me, people are just singing so loudly. There's kirtan happening. They're singing devotional songs. One after the next, I can barely even hear my class. I'm like, Okay. I have to share this at least. So I unmute my mic. I'm like, Hey, listen, y'all, y'all got to hear the skirt that it's beautiful. You know, like it is amazing. And so I kind of shared a little bit with my class and, you know, I was kind, I was praying in that moment. Like, I hope he doesn't come out into the temple, like right away, you know, like, I hope I at least can just wait for this class to be over. And so literally it's like 55, like whatever at the, at, at the hour and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And then the class ends, and literally at fifty nine, Guruji walks out into the temple, and my class just had just finished, and they moved me from the from sitting at the very back to sitting all the way at the very front, in direct sight of him, like literally at his feet, like four people away. Um, And I was like, "What am I doing here? Like, how did I get here? I'm not sure." And you know, there's people all around me who are sobbing and crying and having all of these really intense experiences. and I can't stop smiling and you know, the energy was just so, so intense um, in a in a really good way, but it was unlike anything I have ever experienced. Um, it was pretty wild. And then the actual initiation happened a few days later um, after I had been in the temple. And normally you have to, um, I think, be a part of um, the lineage and the practices for a few years. I think the minimum requirement now is like two years. Um, and I had only been, you know, chanting this one mantra with my one teacher for like five months. Um, and even that it wasn't consistent. It was like two to two to five times a week, depending on my week. Um, and so then you know, Guruji comes downstairs and all of us were talking, sharing stories and doing Kirtan at maybe 2 a.m. And he comes downstairs and he's like, "Um, we're doing initiations in an hour. And if you don't have white, you can't be initiated. And I was like, oh, my God, Thank God, my mom packed me with this white sari. You know, like I think, you know, like it all aligned. And then I think it was around three a.m. where there was like hundreds of people in this hall, and everyone was chanting. Um, this specific mantra, and then, um, you know, the initiation was given. And I had a very, very intense spiritual experience where I felt my Kundalini activate at the base of my spine, and the energy was moving up my spine right when he was giving darshan. So his hand literally just was touching almost like the top of my sari that was covering my head here and whatever and like kundalini energy or whatever that was left my body and went into his hand um and after that I was so blissed out I was definitely on a yoga high spiritual high whatever you want to call it um that whole week I think I probably slept three hours a night and we were up at 6 a.m doing prayers and would go to bed at like 3 a.m. doing more prayers and singing and dancing. So <laughs> it was quite, quite a wild experience. Um, and again, it was unexpected, you know, and I, I always think of that the first line um, of the Yoga Sutras that says when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And for me, it has never been more clear, you know, that's exactly what happened. Um, And so I I encourage people in the future, you know, if you're looking for someone truly in your heart area, um, and it's coming from a genuine place of love and devotion and seeking knowledge, seeking the truth, seeking the divine, it will align. It may not be in this life. It may not be in the next life, but you're on the path. And I'm always reminded by my teachers as well, that the work and the progress that you do on the path of yoga, it's never lost. So wherever you end in this lifetime, it will always pick up in the next lifetime. So I'm also very, very certain that this relationship I have with Guruji, this relationship I have with both of you, with all of my students, with all my teachers, like it's been something that has been building up Bunya or like the spiritual wealth, if you want to call it that, right? Like spiritual money, spiritual rollover minutes, um, for who knows, probably millions, thousands and millions of years. That's how it feels at least, um. I hope that, I hope that answers your question. I think there was a second part of your question, but I'm not sure.
2: (laughs) Well, first I just want to say like, wow, thank you for, you know, sharing about your experience. It sounds so like intense and, you know, beautiful and interesting. And, and secondly, like, I just want to say like, you know, thank you for, I guess in my mind, you're helping me release like the idea of like trying to like uh, perfectly uh, like like, just to, to know everything or to to have the perfect answer to, like, oh, this is going to be the lineage I'm going to do, or, like, this is going to be the teacher for me, like, that I don't have to, like, have that figured out right away, um, so I just want to say thank you for that, because I think in my mind, um, I am someone who's very curious about learning from a lineage, um, and I also feel like I haven't always found, uh, like, I guess I just haven't found I guess the right teacher or the right space for me necessarily Um, and so sometimes I kind of feel like and I don't really feel this way but for lack of a better way of describing like maybe I'm quote behind spiritually right like oh I'm so behind there's there's people with their you know lineage or their spiritual teachers and they have this access and knowledge and I'm still here like uh, very curious but also um haven't always found or just haven't haven't found the right space for me that feels like uh inclusive and so I think the other part of my question was about um maybe for folks like me or folks with uh, marginalized identities um especially with a lot of and, and so I know you shared that you were in India here um, which I think was really cool but I also think like you know um for people in the West or like for me in the US, a lot of the spiritual spaces I come across, um, it's very white centering, you know, um, and that that is very difficult for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially when your own culture has been taken from you and then rebranded and repurposed in a pretty little box with a bow on top and then is like sold back to you there is anger and frustration and i'm not going to invalidate that right like that's rightful anger that's just anger and i go back to the bhagavad gita of course you know when when kind of these conflicting feelings come up and it's about what your purpose is and it's about what is What tasks are put out in front of you that you have to get through and accomplish in order to fulfill that purpose? And I can't answer that for you or for anybody else listening either, right? Um, I wish I could just like snap my fingers and have the answer and be like, oh yeah, here, follow my quick three-step process for how to gain enlightenment, like swipe through, Uh, which I feel like is a lot of spirituality nowadays, right? It's just like the clickbait, like five things you can do to lower your stress, Or to be more focused, or to gain spiritual insight, or whatever it is. Um, But in reality, it's grace. And I think when you give yourself the grace to show up exactly as you are in all of the ways that you do, knowing that you are exactly where you're meant to be, you're on your path, you're on your own lineage. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a part of like a lineage lineage. And I think that for people in the West, there's a lot of grasping and seeking, especially white folks, um, because there's a lack of their own culture, right? Um, You don't you're not really raised with any type of religion or spirituality I know a lot of people are super indoctrinated into Christianity which then they grow up and rebel against and then they turn to you know Buddhism and Hinduism Jainism Sikhism whatever whatever else in order to like find something that resonates for them so in the end like you know everybody's seeking right like it doesn't matter if you're white or black or brown or whatever like we're all looking for something we're looking for something that is not going to diminish, right? And I think that when it comes to spirituality and especially like understanding the true nature of the self, that is something that will be forever, right? Like it is always, you're always going to grow in love and not not the kind of love that's conditional, not conditional love. Like I'm talking about unconditional uppercase L love, right? Like the love that um, will forever grow. Like you don't think that you can have any more space in your heart, right. For it. And then something happens and you're like, Whoa, holy shit. That expanded me. Like, I feel like so much more gratitude and love. Um, and maybe those white spaces aren't the spaces that you're going to find that in, which is totally okay. Right. Um, but asking yourself, like, where do I find that? What is it that I'm doing, that creates this unconditional love? Like, how can I create that in my life? And what are the different ways um, and practices and people that allow me to have a more heart-centered, expansive vision for myself and for my community?
2: Thank you so much for, you know, answering my question in a way that is so much more expansive than I would have ever expected. And I just feel like it's something I'm going to sit with um, and I, I, just really appreciate um, your words and your wisdom, Sunaina. Um, Zara, did you have any thoughts you wanted to share?
0: Um, yeah, thank you so much for all that you've shared. I, I really vibed with uh, the, like bhakti feeling of like being really devoted and in service to something uh, that you were talking about and. I do think, um, so I grew up Muslim, like in Islam, but my grandfather was Buddhist. So, you know, that's a whole thing that we don't have time to get into. But (laughs) what I mean is that, like, I didn't grow up necessarily like knowing a ton about Hinduism specifically and to have seen such a Westernized version of it in, uh, media in society in that we grew up in, I I have held a lot of reservations about guruhood because it's like I don't know, like when it when it when there's that involvement with the lack of culture that comes from white supremacy culture, like the lack of like our indigenous cultures, right? I there is that real distinction between, like, seeking, I love, you just explained this all, and I'm really just explaining back what you said, and that's okay, but I, I really loved it, because it was really insightful for me to be, like, yeah, there is a difference between that seeking of, like, I'm gonna, I, I know, (laughs) I know a yoga teacher who is a white man who was, like, I'm gonna go to India, and I'm gonna find a guru, you know what I mean, and, That, and he was a good friend of mine at one point in my life and it was just like really disheartening to be like, this is who they're letting in, you know? But to know that there are radical spaces in which, you know, folks of whatever, beyond the binary spectrum and like folks who maybe have had marginalized access or whatever, it's, I love hearing that there's someone who wants to bring carry because it, it, that's there is something beautiful about lineage and keeping you know what's there but it's carrying lineage while making it accessible to other people so yeah thank you is really all I wanted to say but in a long way
1: <laughs> I love that I love how you just like your mind just like went all the places and I was like oh that's kind of like what my mind does <laughs> but you know, something that what, like what you said reminded me of, which is something that my teacher Rishi Chidananda talks about a lot is like the three S's that we can focus on when we're on the spiritual path. The first one being sadhana. So like taking a look at yourself and asking yourself, like, what are my daily practices? What is it that I cultivate spiritually for myself every single day. And it doesn't have to be like, okay, I'm doing yoga asana for an hour and a half and getting in all these wild positions and doing all this stuff. But it could just be like, hey, I'm going to offer some water to my altar, right? Um, And that can be my sadhana every day. And then the second S is not for us, but for other people. Which is seva. And so it's for our community. It's for giving back. And seva is so, so important. And I feel like people don't talk about this very much because it humbles the ego. When you're giving back and volunteering your energy and time and mind and all of these things in a way where you're not expecting anything in return actively, it's like you're not doing the seva, you're not doing the service to others because you want something because you're getting paid because you're getting validation or affirmation, you're just doing it to do it regardless of the outcome, whether it be good, bad or nothing, you're going to still do it. Right. Um, And that humbles us. That allows us to drop into the heart space and allows us to um, be more in service to the community when we see that other people can actually be our gurus. Right. Other people can be our teachers. Um, And it's not just the yoga teacher who's the teacher. It's the student who's the teacher as well. Um, There's a lot that comes from that. And then, of course, the third one is Sangha, which is what we're doing right now, community um, and being with people who are also devoted and dedicated to searching for the divine, searching for these truths finding inclusive places, um, having expansive vision for the future, because, you know, they say that the people that you're around, you become right, like the closest five people in your life, you're absorbing that energy and you're internalizing and then it's becoming you. So like surrounding yourself with good people is just as important too. people who have the like minded vision for, you know, um, for whatever you it is you want to achieve in this life. So for me, like Seva, Sadhana, Sangha, like that's what I always come back to. Like even sometimes where I'm like, holy shit, I'm like really deep in all this philosophy and like all this stuff. Like I have no idea what's going on. Like what are we even talking about anymore? I can like somehow bring myself back to those three things to like ground, help ground my energy. So I'm, I'm very airy. Um, And of course I know y'all are deep into the um, Enneagram. Is that how you say it? Enneagram? <laughs> uh, Enneagram stuff. And I want to get there. I will get there eventually. But I just, I also love all of those um, different types of like ways of getting to know ourselves better, you know? So this is just another tool for your toolbox.
0: Oh, I didn't write it down because we have the captions on, but I will be writing it down after <laughs> so that I don't forget because I love that. yeah, um, did you have something to say?
2: Um, just that you know, I I sure hope you know if if we become like the people who are around us, you know, I sure hope being around you, Sunida, I could be more like you, just because I just really appreciate your. You say you're very airy, and you know what? I appreciate airiness because I have a lot of fire in me, and I just feel like the airiness is kind of like there's this more like it's just lighter energy, and I'm like, oh, I need that because I can just get. Uh, burnt out basically really easily um and, you know and there is fire is necessary as well and fire is good and you know I'm a proud fire sign but I just say that um, I really appreciate you Sunaina
1: yeah and um, us together we are a Vata tornado waiting to happen like we are the most Vata like I can't even explain it <laughs>
2: Yeah. um, And so I just want to say thank you um, again. And um, we always ask this in our podcast to our guests. um, What's one thing you would like to see more of in wellness and what's one thing you would like to see less of? Um, And this could pertain to, you know, anything uh, wellness more broadly or maybe more um, specifically, like in some of the spaces that um, you're in.
1: So I guess I have an answer that kind of answers both of those questions at the same time. Like, what would you like to see more of and less of? And so I guess it's just more inclusionary spaces for non-binary and trans folks specifically um, and less kind of duality thinking. That's really what it is, because I feel like even like gendered language and cues and talking about everybody as a man or a woman or talking about the divine as like the divine masculine and the divine feminine instead of like as energies right um those are kind of things that always like make me feel like uh like do i have a place here i'm not sure right um and so doing a little bit less of that and maybe doing a little bit more of like actually asking queer, transgender, non-conforming people, like, what is it that would make you feel more included in this space, right? Like, is it gender neutral bathrooms? Is it having open dialogues, like having safe and open conversations with your teachers about what it is that you need? Or even like a suggestion box, right? Of like, suggestions that you can make. Um. And like, I also would love to see more people calling it in, right? Like being open about, hey, I just witnessed an experience that was uncomfortable for this person. But me as a person with privilege, I have the privilege to step in and have this conversation or use the energy, the extra energy I have to have the conversation. And so I think especially from allies and um, other folks who are really willing to do the work like stepping it up you know because I think a lot of the burden always falls on the folks who are experiencing the marginalization to ask for what they need and to say like oh actually here's the feedback I have x y and z and then that feedback nothing happens to it. It doesn't go anywhere. Um, and I know specifically in spiritual settings, like even I've heard stories about the ashram, right? Where like um, there is a trans man and they're in with all of the other men, but they have their cycle every month. And obviously when you're on your cycle, your moon cycle, you're energetically releasing a lot of downward energy, which isn't necessarily okay to be around all of these men who are you know um AMAB folks assigned male at birth folks right um versus someone who's a trans man, man who is AFAB um assigned female at birth but is menstruating and is around all other men and so it's like how in that situation can we not exclude this menstruating person from being a man and still allow them the space and the tools and, you know, whatever they need to feel comfortable and safe in the environment they're in instead of feeling kind of like the person on the outside, you know? And so I just like, I always ask folks like, what is it that could make this environment more inclusive instead of exclusive, And so they're all, they're all really like reflective asks, you know, they're asked for the community, for teachers, for folks in power um, to be more aware, more mindful, more reflective, and really be on top of finding solutions um, instead of kind of just like these circular conversations that tend to happen um, that are like just uncomfortable, (laughs) honestly. Um, Yeah, that's, that's what I have to share.
2: Thank you so much. Um, yes, to the question of asking those folks specifically to them, what would make them more comfortable? Um, I love that. Um, and so uh, how can people find you? How can people get in touch with you?
1: So I like to be, on, you know, not in touch. I don't like people to be in touch with me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so you can you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is at su9nah. Sunaina and apart from that I also have an email address if you'd like to email me any you know reflections or feedback or whatever I may not reply but I will probably read it um (laughs) and yeah I you know my my yoga practice especially right now being pregnant all of those things is really centered internally towards myself I also teach once a week at alchemistic studio Um, On Sunday evenings, I teach yoga nidra, which is a pretty chill, deep sleep, relaxation, meditation vibe. We do some journaling, do some pranayama, lay down. It's very chill, accessible. And that's, that's basically all the ways, I guess, if you want to join Susanna's training, you can connect with me and he and maybe you'll, you know, have us as your mentors. Um, you never know, you could always do that. If you're looking for a 200 or a 300 hour to join, those are great resources. Um, but again, apart from that, like, I really am not connecting with people like that right now. Um, my energy is, you know, I'm really focusing on the brahmacharya. Part of my energy, like I'm conserving, I'm conserving, I'm conserving. Um, so while I love connecting with folks, I also want to reaffirm that sometimes you don't need to be available for people to connect with you, <laughs> right? Um, and that I can, like right now with where I'm at in my life, like I'm just focusing on growing a brain, growing some arms, some fingernails, you know, growing some noses. And uh, I think that's gonna take me forward and that's gonna be one of the biggest jobs I've ever had. So that's kind of where I'm at.
2: <laughs> thank you so much, Sunaina. And I love that you state like your boundaries with where you're at, uh, as you share, You know how to potentially connect with you. Um, so thank you for that. Um, and uh, we're just really grateful that you decided to spend some of your um, time and energy with us today.
1: Hmm. Thank you, Hannah and Zara. I'm so blessed and happy to be here with you both. And I really, and, you know, I guess the four of us, including baby here, right. I guess they're listening to. <laughs> But I also wanted to share that I do do one-on-one specifically for Desi folks or uh, South Asian folks. I do offer sliding scale one-on-one yoga sessions, um, which again, will be probably starting up in January of 2023. Um, So just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, thank you both for having me on here. It has been amazing to be in your energy circles.
2: So this is our post interview uh, after talking to Sunaina um, and Sunaina is somebody who I have always thought was like really cool and I just feel now I feel like they're even cooler and they just gave me a lot to think about. There's a lot of wisdom that they shared that um, we hope um, is also helpful to everyone listening. Um, and I just love them. So yeah, Zara, what what are your thoughts?
0: <laughs> I absolutely love them. I loved that interview. I loved everything they had to say. Um, <laughs> it was like, uh, I I'm not. I'll be honest with the podcast. I was honest with Sunaina. I was a little hesitant about talking about lineage because there is so much weirdness that goes along with it. But the way they spoke about it. Um, with an openness and a reverence that I really found um, fulfilling, I guess is a weird, but so acceptable word that I want to use um, because it is so easy to find people, especially right now in the world, there's like a lot of QAnon and I have said this to Hian, at least off the podcast. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast about how right now there's kind of like, a spiritual war going on where, like, people are getting indoctrinated into cults and like right wing agendas and misogyny and other dangerous things. Um, so it was nice to hear someone speak about a devotion that isn't mm, like a power dynamic devotion. And I, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but yeah, yeah, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I um, I get what you're saying. and you know that's one of the reasons why I wanted to hear um, them share about um, their experience um, with their lineage. Um, because similarly, I also have like um, hesitations about, you know, lineage stuff just because of all the weird, you know, dynamics we hear about. Just you know, KOTI stuff, or just people being um, harmed, uh, you know, spaces that may not be inclusive, um, you know, all those kind of things, and and yet, um, you know, Sunaina was saying how they are part of a lineage that is um, more radical in that it is accepting of like women and queer folks. Um, And they also, I remember them saying, and there's also, like, other things, like, that's not, like, perfect, you know, that there's, like, work. And, you know, that makes sense because uh, I I think about it being kind of, like, the world that we live in, like, as long as we live in the systems we live in, like, there can't ever be, like, a perfectly pure whatever, whatever thing, you know, like, even the things that we're a part of or things that we do, like, we we still have, like, internalized Capitalism within us, or you know, other internalized things. Um, but I just love that um, they are wanting to take uh, and adapt um, the teaching so that it is more expansive and accessible, and like and inclusive. And you know, I'm always we're about that. So yeah,
0: oh, I'm always about inclusivity. Also, I'm not gonna lie to you. Every time we use the word radical or radicalized, I am fucking anxious. Uh, because I grew up from a Muslim family, and the word radicalized at post 9 11 to me feels like a word I should not be associated with. Uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to bring that into like a random subject change, but I like completely disassociated as soon as you said radicalized. I was like half hearing what you're saying. Sorry, podcasters, I don't listen to my co host because I am a fast host.
2: No, I, I said, I think I said like more radical, meaning radical being in the leftist way or or progressive way, you know, which, which I know, you know, I mean, but it is interesting how, like you said, the word radical or rap, because when, at first when you were sharing that, I was thinking about radical and radicalized being like right wing people, like young white men getting radicalized on the right it, well, and they used
0: to say that radicalized Muslims as well. that was like a term around you know, oh, they're they're radicalized Muslims, which was like, I guess you have to be a good Muslim or a radicalized Muslim. you know <laughs> uh, it's so it is like a term that can both mean you are on our side or you have been co-opted by the bad guys. And I think that's just linguistically a really weird space to be in with such with with this word,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. I always think of the word radical meaning about the roots, like to get to the root of something. And and so because I think about myself as a radical in a sense of like, Okay, if you're looking at the status quo and like neoliberalism and capitalism, yeah, I am probably radical because I'm saying I'd rather get to the root of the problems um, and actually care about people over profits, you know, like things like that. And so in that way, like I think about myself and even you as a radical in like a cool way, but I'm sure. I mean, if you're a capitalist and you're listening to this, you probably think we're radical in a bad way, (laughs) you know, like the quote radical, the the scary radical left, you know, Um, which is really funny because it's really not that radical at all to care about human rights and getting people's basic needs met. But
0: yeah, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just have a bad connotation of the word radical. So in my mind, radical is never a word I would use to associate with myself, even though I do understand and have used the term radical left and in reference to other people um but yeah i guess we do i just am like i'm like a i'm deeply leftist is what i try to say to people (laughs) like no 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 like where you think left is i'm all the way over there i'm even farther to the left uh and then they go uh uh-huh and then they go away
2: No, I love that. But you know what, I love that about you, Zara, because I feel um similarly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess I, I think I'll ask so that I won't forget. What's on your mind today, Zara?
0: What's on my mind today? Well, what's on my mind recently is a couple of things. When is that uh, We are in an abusive relationship with this country uh, with the Democratic Party, even though I don't necessarily feel I feel strongly about the Democratic Party, Um, but I also feel like on a different level. A lot of us are in abusive relationships and like different dynamics in our lives, whether that's like with your family or a partner or your boss. I know a lot, I have a lot of friends who are in abusive dynamic relationships with their employers, um, and other places that I'm probably not thinking of or naming in this moment. Uh, And one of the things I'm really trying to do right now is like stop the cycle of abuse. I'm not putting myself in these spaces anymore. I'm not taking this shit anymore. Like I can't fucking do it. Like I mentally can't leave those spaces and hate myself so much that I like struggle to function. Cause like when you're in an abusive dynamic, you don't, it's like weird because, like, a lot of times you don't stop loving that person, you stop loving yourself. And I think, like, in this country, we have a lot of, like, yeah, like, the Democratic Party is going to save us and we need to vote. And which, like, hey, hey, we need to vote. So anyone listening, shh, we need to vote. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. But here we are. Uh, we're trying to stop the fall of democracy at this point in time. Anyways, but... Um, <laughs> back to the other point I was making, which was, you know, it's like, we keep hoping that these politicians are going to change things and make them better or like that your family members are going to suddenly change the dynamic in which they have been upholding their entire lives or your romantic partner, right? And it's like, it's so much easier to take it on a macro level when we take it on a micro level. And so obviously being safe, obviously not putting yourself in harm's way, um, finding ways out of abuse to stop accepting it, whether that means drawing boundaries with people, whether that means creating physical space, whether that means adjusting your perspective, um, all of which I am working through right now with different various aspects of my life. But yeah, uh, I'm done with abuse. That's what's on my mind. There was another thing on my mind, but luckily I spoke for too long. To know what that was so yeah what's on your mind hian well
2: you know first i have to say i mainly agree with you um because we do live in a very exploitative system and so yes it is oppressive and abusive and it fucking sucks um so yes to all that like i I, i've been feeling that and i feel like similarly to you um because i had mentioned this on our bonus call with Sunaina, which, you know, you can um, subscribe to our Substack for $5 a month if you want to listen to it. Um, But I've been thinking a lot about how we live in an individualist, like society, like individualism is like, so highly valued in a way that is not good for us. And that thought occurred to me, I don't know, I'm just weird. Like, I'm just I was just driving yesterday and, you know, when you're just driving and you're thinking about random things and it just came to my mind of like, I was just thinking about all the awful things happening in the world. And I was thinking about how, you know, my mind goes into like spiraling into like why it might be. And one of the things that I, I came to was just that, oh, because we are very much encouraged Um, to be individualistic and not take care of each other and not take care of our community and not ask for help from each other, not ask for help from our community. And what you said earlier blew my mind that I think ties into this. It's just like you're in these abusive, oppressive dynamics instead of like, you know, you end up like not loving yourself. So it's, it's kind of like I hate myself or like I'm feeling down on myself because I'm not good at whatever these systems are telling me I'm supposed to be good at like I'm not good at individually pulling myself up by the bootstrap so to speak or whatever else or like I'm not good at whatever these abusive dynamics tell me I have to be good at which is like you know never complain and work super hard and like oh, yes, the, everything is so expensive, but if you just work harder, you can have more money to pay. You know, don't complain. And it's like, that is just not it. <laughs> like, that's just not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And um, I feel like a lot of us are waking up to the fact that we have been gaslit by these systems and these dynamics that are telling us, like, basically to just do it and think about yourself individually. And, um, you know, if anything is bad in your life, it's your fault. Like, no, it's not. Um, if I'm feeling down about something, it's my fault. Like, no, it's not. Like there is so much missing when we tell people these things. And, um, that's just been on my mind lately, just thinking about everything in the world going on and, feeling like I don't have all the answers, but I know that I care about the community and the collective and that helps to sort of undo the individualistic mindset or indoctrination, honestly. Um, I didn't know we'd go this deep, Zara, but here we are today. Yeah,
0: I also didn't, I, that's why I laughed when I was like, I don't know that I want to share this, but this is what on, it's what's on my mind and I fucking need to. Um, yeah, no, when I agree with you, because individualism is killing us so much. Like, if I think about, like, it's like managing your home on your own, like cleaning and doing dishes and laundry and like all of the things all of us need to do to survive that if you live on your own, or if you don't have a support system, or if you are the main person doing domestic labor, like you are overwhelmed. And that is not including like, if you have a job, if you have a disability, if you have other people to care for, like, it's isolating, and you aren't allowed to ask for help. And you are not encouraged to ask for help. And I mean, like whiteness thrives on individualism, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I'm better than you. So why would I even ask you for help? And it's like, yeah, well, now all of us are fucking depressed and broken. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a weird, we, we were like, this will be a quick one. And now here we are deep in the well of conversation. Um, but yeah, so, you know, just some light thoughts for you all, if you're listening, things to just think about. Uh, abuse and capitalism and oppression and individuality individualism not individuality we like individuality we don't like individualism
2: yeah and and I just want to say because I know that sometimes the Enneagram type 4 is is like the title given is like the individual or something like that or like the individualist right and it's so interesting because I remember when I first found that out I kind of hated that because I was like what do you mean the individual individualist? Like, I mean, I am like, I am who I am. And I like to express myself. But like, uh, I care a lot about other people as well. Um, And it's just interesting, because first of all, I'm a social four. So I know that if, if you know what that means, and it'll, it'll make sense to you what I just said. Um, but then also, um, it's the same way of like, I feel like uh, we love individuals and we love when people are able to express their individuality and what's unique about them. Um, and the individualistic mindset is very harmful to us because I, can I say something pop culture like, or is this just going to derail? I just feel like. No, like I, I, I would
0: love some <laughs> pop culture thrown at us.
2: I'm like. The pop culture I'm thinking about is is the news that I saw recently, that rich people like Kylie Jenner are flying their private planes on very short three yeah, minute Yeah, it was like a fucking three minute flight, right? Yeah. Like very short flights. Meanwhile they are blaming individuals as in the working class, like normal people for not for using too much plastic or not drinking from paper straws, or you should take the bus more, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's where the individualism is harmful, because and it's not even saying that, oh, it's just Kylie, the individual is saying we live in a system where rich people can do things like this, because if it's not her, we know it about her, but she's not the only one. And she shouldn't, yeah, nobody,
0: you you shouldn't have any amount of money that allows you to be so far above everyone else that you just get to, like, you're not dying, you don't need a fucking flight for 12 minutes or three minutes or 30 minutes, like, you're not paid pay for it commercially, pay for first class, like. Also, private small planes are more likely to go down, so why are you all risking your lives if you're still fancy and important? Um different topic but yeah I agree I agree I'm I saw that as well and it was really frustrating like (laughs) we don't we don't need a society that values that thinks Kylie Jenner someone who's doing the work Kylie Jenner is doing needs to be anywhere in three to 30 minutes via private airplane
2: yeah meanwhile telling the rest of us that if we just use less plastic and change our diets And I'll be vegans, we're all going to save the earth. Like it's on us individually. And if you don't do those things, then you're a bad person, you know? It's and that and yeah, so I'm beating my point. Um, like you get it that uh, that is where the individualism uh, really is harmful to us because collectively, maybe we could have a system that people like Kylie wouldn't be doing things like that. And we can have a system where all of us can be guaranteed the right to like a safe environment a healthy ecosystem and earth that is habitable because you know there's a lot there's like a heat wave going on in europe and things like that i so. know
0: it's like over 40 degrees celsius which like it's that's very hot yeah i don't and nobody has air conditioning and i know you don't have air conditioning in pnw but right yeah, the yeah
2: yeah pnw yeah um So, yeah, we will. um, So, so all that to say, we hope that you find community and, end your abusive relationships um, or dynamics that you're in. um, And we love you. (laughs) I don't know what else to say, Zara.
0: Yeah, this is a random one, y'all. You're welcome. Have a lovely day. Thank you for listening.
2: Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Thoughtful Wellness Revolution podcast. For bonus content, you can go to thoughtfulwellnessrevolution.substack.com and subscribe for $5 a month. You can also follow us on Instagram at thoughtful revolution to share your thoughts. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you're listening.